The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright, and we're Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Chicky, chicky, one, two, one, two. <laughs> yeah. Was that bad? Let's keep, I don't care. I'm going forward with it, and this is where it's going to get good. Welcome to the Potterhood Podcast. I'm Will Posnan. I'm Nico White. And uh, today, we oh, are you're... back. Epi- you... Oh, right. Yeah, see, I'm just going, I'm regressing. I'm going right back into what yeah, I Yeah, you don't have any faith in me, but I'm actually, I can very competently intro the podcast. Do it again, uh, Will. Read no, it. Me too. no I'm, we're keeping all of this. I mean, we can start over, but... You know, we keep keeping want... all of this. <laughs> okay, we so... Uh, all this. Welcome, everybody, to the Potterhood Podcast. I'm Will Posnan. I'm Nico White. And today uh, we have episode 16 of The Quarantine. And uh, I'm really excited about it. We got a fun gimmick for today's discussions. Um, it's already been like seven days since Kat put out his amazing Supreme commercial, so I don't know yes. if people want to... Yeah. Do we want to say anything more than that it was amazing and great? Um, I think that you all, if you don't know who Cat Williams is, he's a comedian, one of my favorites, and I think what he did was the perfect thing to do. Um, he came out and did kind of a set, if you will, for a Supreme commercial. He came out, he spoke about Black Lives Matter in a way it was really good. And you know what's funny about Cat, man, is that when he did it, Cat's like, who's a good character to say? Cat's like Mad-Eye Moody if Mad-Eye didn't mm-hmm. get injured and get his leg cut off. No, Cat has right. those injuries too. Like, Cat is exactly like Mad-Eye Moody. You're right, you're right. He's You're got right. the piece of his right. nose missing. He's got the peg leg. Like, Cat has battle scars. Battle scars. But it's what Cat said, right? Remember, mm-hmm. Please, if you listen to the Potterhood podcast, go find Cat Williams' Supreme commercial. And if you can, if you care to, look up Cat's work. It's um, something you spoke about, I believe. He had um, Cat Williams live. He was talking about police brutality back then. And because Cat was getting in a lot of trouble with the police, people just assumed that, oh, he was crazy. He even says in his Supreme um, commercial that he's been trying to tell us for 20 years that the police are overreacting. But no, y'all just thought, Cat, you crazy. You keep getting in trouble. (laughs) I think y'all should all watch that. I think it provides um, a good amount of perspective. And um, it made me very excited for something that I had already been planning. And I'll leave that at that. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, My favorite part of uh, the commercial was when he said, you know, if you're uncomfortable about saying Black Lives Matter, just remember, it's a fact. And you should never be uncomfortable saying a fact. 
mm-hmm. and his act outs are always the best. So I won't spoil yeah. the joke of that, uh, of that part. So let's go right into uh, what we're talking about today. So in honor of back to school and in honor of schools opening and then promptly closing again across the country in states that uh, wanted to pretend, how are you going to teach science to high schoolers and pretend that a high school level science being discussed around the country isn't real? <laughs> Bars. Bars. Yeah. Get yeah. Thank you. So, uh, a lot of these schools tried to open despite the signs, closed again. Some of the smarter schools knew to keep it virtual. But in honor of schools opening and closing, we're going to talk about what each of Harry's teachers would have done if Hogwarts had been closed for a year. Let's say they don't get, let's say the second graders don't save the day with the basilisk and Hogwarts has to stay closed. Well, what do, what do each of these teachers do? So, uh, who do you want to start with? Uh, Madam Hooch, I think Madam Hooch has the best chance of still making a living after the fact because Quidditch can be taught anywhere to their space, right? They don't have to be in danger. You can be outside. The Basilisk didn't come outside of the school. <laughs> Nobody got attacked on the lawn, right? So I think Madam Hooch could still be able to make a living. And I think, hmm, her, I think she'd be good. I think Hagrid would be fine if Hogwarts is closed for a year, even though he lives there. He's on the grounds. The basilisk yeah. is only inside of the school. So you know it's so think- funny. That's that's just like our current situation. Like people are like, what are we gonna do? Nobody's even been discussing the possibility of outside socially distanced schools. And it's like, you're safe if you're outside and you're wearing a mask, you know? And the way that people get caught is when they're inside recycling the same air and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Hag- Hagrid's See, class was the safest class of any class at Hogwarts that year. You know what's funny? And I don't know if they could do this. This might just be one of those weird pipe dreams. But I think every school, if I'm not mistaken, has like a backyard or something, right? Yeah. So take some money, whether federal or whatever, for all the public schools, if they can, Reduce class sizes. The people that can most do virtual learning, sure, let them do virtual learning. But maybe half the class, like one day you do virtual, one day you come in. Build outside. Take the desk, take the chair. Canopies are made of plastic, fam. Yeah. Make some canopies, put some plastic in it, poke holes in the plastic, <laughs> get you some space heaters, and maybe do it that way. Man, if somebody should just make a cut of good ideas we have that the government will never try. It's ridiculous to me. Because it's like, okay, if the answer is outside, go get canopies. Oh, Nico's going to rain. Canopies. (laughs) Get a drill, drill it into the ground. Drill it into the ground. Put some strong plastic in there. Poke some holes in the strong plastic. Or should make out a plexiglass and poke some holes in the plexiglass so the air can filter in and out. Oh, there's a way to do this. They're just, I think that they're just still shell-shocked, like. And you know what, we have to, we do have to keep that in mind that this is the first time we've been through this in a hundred years and all that stuff. And despite the um, clown that we have to deal with all this, um, I think people are trying their best. I think 
because the information is so scattered. It, it really is Harry Potter, dog. This really yeah. is Harry Potter. So weird. It truly, truly is. I couldn't be happier that we had a podcast, but <laughs> it's sickening how much it is. Go through, go through your teachers, dog. Go through your teachers, what you think they'll do, and I'm going to respond. So I, th- I agree with you that Madam Hooch immediately pivots to teaching Quidditch. I think she goes to teaching Quidditch one-on-one to rich families. I think that if Hogwarts had closed down for a year, it would have been a giant advantage for Draco Malfoy. Like he might have caught up to Harry as a seeker during that off year. I think a couple of families, Cedric Diggory probably, they just, I don't even know how much money that family has, but you know that they're pouring all of their resources into Cedric. So yeah, I think a couple of rich families, she's teaching them. Hagrid, yeah. If you remember, what house was Madame Hooch in? Oh, I don't remember. I don't. Uh, did they ever say it? I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. So I'll look that up while I'm talking about what Cedric would, or what, uh, what Hagrid would do. So I think that Hagrid, I don't think he teaches if uh, Hogwarts shuts down for a year. Because I think that, uh, I think his loyalties are so strongly to Dumbledore, especially if Dumbledore gets fired. Yeah, I just don't think there's a scenario where he teaches, oh, she's a Ravenclaw. Madam Hooch is a Ravenclaw. Very interesting. So, so she definitely opens up a small business. She might never come back to Hogwarts. I think she starts teaching uh, Quidditch privately. She's like she becomes like an elite shooting coach, like they have in the NBA, and yeah. she never comes back to Hogwarts. And she's working with like Victor Crumb and the Irish Quidditch team, and just she's like a world class Quidditch coach. She's like, "Fuck these kids! I never want to see them again. I'm only working with pros from here on out." Hagrid, on the other hand. I think he stops teaching for a year, but because of his loyalty to Dumbledore, I think he takes a year like camping with the giants or pursuing some other magical creature, something like yeah. that. Fair, fair. Go run through the rest. I'm going to make me a plate of food. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good. I mean, what he, are we going to do for, for he, the... Heating up some collard greens. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay. To your point, bro, what you said about Madam Hooch not coming back to Hogwarts. See, Max, did we already find out what? Oh, Max is gone. Yeah. I was going to say, I would love to know what house she was in because it would have helped me out a lot more. Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Okay. So, yeah, I, I do think I agree with you then. I think she leaves the school. I think she leaves the school, and I think she just becomes super rich. Because when you think about it, Madam Hooch was kind of left out of a lot. Yeah. And she, she didn't really. After that first book, we really didn't see her a lot. Well, she didn't really care about, like, the kids who weren't as good at flying either. Like, when, when Harry's, like, hops on a broom and he's immediately great, there's a part of Madame Hooch that's like, that's what I expect. And then she looks over at Neville and she's like, just take his broom. He's never learning. Like, I don't think she had teacher instincts the way a lot of the rest of them did. Right. Not to hate. But, so, with that being said, right, it makes perfect sense that we, she, she would go and become an elite trainer. It makes perfect sense that she would want to go see the world. And it's kind of shocking that that's not just what happened with her in the books, isn't it? Yeah. Like, why she stay around? Hogwarts is so dangerous. I think that she has some teachers that she's very close with. I think she's close with McGonagall. Mm-hmm. I think that she's probably <laughs> she's probably close with uh, you know why she Madame Pomfrey. Oh, yeah. I think that 
you know, she probably hangs out with Flitwick and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't think that she uh, is that into the teaching aspects of it. Like she's more into the social aspects of it. I would have loved to, for J.K. Rowling in particular to have done more with um, Madam Hooch because that was the one character in the movie that stuck out a lot. A lot more than a lot of the other teachers, as a matter of fact. Stuck out more than um, Professor Sprout in the second movie, in my opinion. Stuck out more than um, the first, um, you know, iteration of Professor Flitwick. And she had, it just was striking. Her entrance and all that was a lot more striking, the actress that portrayed her, than Mad-Eye Moody when he first pulled up on the scene, in my opinion. Yeah, that I whole agree. Scene, she, when she walked out, it, you know who it was like? It was like Snake. She had a intro like Snape did. Remember when Snape walked in? There'll be no foolish wand waving, Celine incantations in this class. That's how she walked into the flying lessons. So, you know what a critique I would offer beyond that is that uh, they don't take flying to the next level. Like it's kind of like the way we teach driving in this country. We teach driving at a basic level of competency, but. With flying, like, there's no risk of a crash. You can do, like, there's more than enough space to fly. There should be an advanced flying course, and it should be badass. And also, they don't fight on brooms nearly enough. Like, there needs to be a lot more dueling on brooms. Like, if I was Harry, every single time I got attacked, I would hop on a broom, and that would be, especially if I'm just going to use like Expelliarmus and Stupefy, I'm hopping on a broom every time. Like, I don't care if I'm in the Department of Mysteries. I'm hopping on a broom and I'm like Grand Theft Autoing people. I'm not going to just be a sitting target. And, and that's another thing that never come, came up a lot. Hagrid has all these beasts that he just has control over, that he's tamed. None of them fought in the war. <laughs> you mean to tell me when they pulled up the Hogwarts, Hagrid should have been the first person behind the shield with his crossbow and just a bunch of animals. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is that those animals don't care mostly about good and evil. They just like Hagrid and don't fuck with any other humans. Like if Hagrid tried to rally the spiders, the spiders would just protect <laughs> Hagrid, but they wouldn't help, like, they wouldn't help Flitwick. They wouldn't help Neville, you know? Yeah, but see, you would keep Hagrid somewhere like the forest when they come to attack the forest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You get Hagrid to get the centaurs together. You get Hagrid to get the spiders together to set up traps. There's just little things that happen in those books and that happen, or that didn't happen in the books and didn't happen in the movies that I wish happened because in you know hindsight is 2019. So when you sit back and you look at it and you think to yourself, yo, we read this story and now I almost look at it like a video game, like a chess match. So mm-hmm. if I'm Dumbledore, I'm not just letting Hagrid, Hagrid isn't getting kidnapped. You need Hagrid. You need Hagrid and Professor Sprout working together. First, just to cover the forest and the castle grounds. Then you get McGonagall to get all the statues. Do They don't got spells to make trees do shit. They, yeah, they definitely do. They just don't. They don't use them. I mean, I will say, though, I'm on the other side with the centaurs because I thought, you know, they explained the centaurs' worldview and that the centaurs believe in staying out of human affairs. Oh, okay. I actually thought it was, like, kind of a cop-out that I think... Did the centaurs attack in Book 7 at the very end? I think that they decided... I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. Well, somebody can write us and correct us on that. Yeah, I mean, 
they want to be friends, that's their business. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> nah, I ain't, I ain't got nothing to say about that. The centaurs deserve, pardon me, my microwave's going off. We apologize <laughs> if you hear a little bit of our lives in the background. But again, it's quarantine. I ain't ate all day. Forgive me. Yeah. No, they, we got cool fans, so they get it. Um, yeah, so I think that, uh, you know, how you feel about uh, Madame Hooch, I feel the same way about the Muggle Studies professor, where she has such an epic moment uh, with Voldemort face-to-face. And I was, so I went, oh, I wish that they had done more with her earlier. And I wish that, you know, there should have been at least one Arthur Weasley in Harry's grade. I mean, I guess... Hermione kind of is, but she's a muggle, or she's, like, born into the muggle world, so she's not. But there should be at least one kid Harry's age who's passionate about muggle studies because you that teacher was, like, she was great, and she only has the one moment. And I also feel uh, the same way about Professor Sprout, where I feel like she was so great and I wanted to see more of her, more of her mm-hmm. personality. And, uh, she, like, she pops in for a big moment and pops out, but... Uh, Especially knowing that she's Neville's favorite teacher, I'd want to see a little right. bit more of her personality. I wanted to see her train Neville. Yeah. Well, you no. know what I think so funny? I was thinking about uh, the flying with Madame Hooch. I think that um, Voldemort, was, he was in the back of Quirrell's head at the time, right? During mm-hmm. that flying class. So that was probably when he picked Harry over. Like, I know that he marked Harry with the scar and everything, but I bet you he, he watched that flying class <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I for sure picked right. Yeah, Neville is not yeah, yeah. chosen in one. <laughs> Neville's, like, scared of the edge of his broom. Hilarious. The thing about um, Voldemort and his picking is that if you could have just left both of them alone, you probably would have been more – probably would have been fine. Yeah. If he just went to try to kill either of them, he probably could have lived a lot longer. Whoever benefits from hearing half a prophecy, you never get the whole thing. If you know you only heard half the prophecy, you should just disregard it. Just like, I'm sure there's a riddle or a twist in it that I'm missing. That you're not aware of. I didn't know he only heard half of it. Yeah, well, Snape only heard half, and he only relayed the half that he heard uh, to Voldemort. And wait, wait, the whole thing. wait, 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 time out. Snape is the one that told Voldemort about the prophecy? Yeah, so they were in Aberforth's bar. It was uh, the job interview for Professor Trelawney. Mm-hmm. She goes into full prophecy mode for the first of two times, and Dumbledore hears it. Snape's in the back of the bar spying for Voldemort. He hears part of it. He like comes into the bar halfway through, mm-hmm. um, and then he tells the half... He hears to Voldemort. Voldemort identifies Harry. Snape comes back to Dumbledore. He's like, they're going to kill Harry, and they're probably going to kill Lily too. Can you help? And Dumbledore's like, you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. And mm-hmm. then Snape's like, I deserve that. I'm going to be better. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, but not for the right reasons. You're just going to be better because you're in love with Lily. Like, you don't mm-hmm. even care about being a good person or anything. And then Lily dies, and then Snape's like, uh... I don't know what to do. And Dumbledore's like, well, maybe you should consider trying to be a good person. Okay. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to have no regrets. Service Snape is trash. <laughs> and he is now irredeemable. <laughs> yeah, he's irredeemable trash, dog. Yeah. So irredeemable what do you th- trash. What do you think he would do on his year off? 
mm, mope that he's the reason that everything he loved is dead. <laughs> he That's goes. like, yeah, I don't think he's irredeemable because I think that he redeems himself mm-hmm. like later on. I think he really redeems himself after Cedric's death. Like all of that double agent stuff that he does after Cedric dies, like mm-hmm. that's high risk stuff. And he's also, you got to remember, he's spending all of his free time with Sirius and Lupin and they're just shitting on him nonstop. Like he's just having, I mean, he's, you know, he's close with Dumbledore, but like mm-hmm. you can make a case Dumbledore's, not that Dumbledore's, irre- you can make a case Dumbledore's irredeemable too, just off of like the Grindelwald shit and the shit with his sister, but like mm-hmm. they're vibing. I don't know. I think that Snape comes around. I, I wouldn't give him credit for what he does before Cedric's death. I think that's like not even enough to break even. But what he does afterwards, that's where I go. And he does the stuff with Draco and with Narcissa where it's like, it's just stressful. And it's all, for the most part, from it's all from a benevolent place. Like it's all him trying to be a good person. Okay, fair enough. Here's why I can't go there with you, all right? He's the he's the bullet. He's the person that pulled the trigger. You told Voldemort about that prophecy that Voldemort wasn't thinking about. And Voldemort then went and killed the people that you didn't want him to kill. Right? But if you never told Voldemort about that, nobody would be dead. At least not yeah. like that. Yeah. And the work that he did afterwards doesn't really mean anything to me now because you only did it for your own selfish reasons. All the way up trying to feel end. better? You're saying he just wanted to feel better about his mistakes? No, I'm saying that he's trash. And this is what I mean when I say he's trash, right? You can't, if I'm a potter, or if I'm an evidence, you can't tell me that you told my brother's killer, my sister's killer, that basically you put, you put them in the harm's way. You're the hitman. You're the one that told somebody that they need to go out and do this. If mm-hmm. you never said that one thing, those people wouldn't have been targeted the way they got targeted. Yeah. So you going around to be better? I think it's a <laughs> lot more complicated now. Interesting. No, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. You know what I mean? You don't get to be what did Harry ever find this out? Yeah, Harry found this out. When did he, I think Harry finds it out um, right before Snape kills Dumbledore. Or it was either that or right after. But it's around that time when Harry finds it out. I what, believe it was right before. That, that Snape was the one who told Voldemort. About the prophecy. He forgave him? No, he didn't. But he, I believe that he like, had so much faith in Dumbledore that he didn't intervene. Like he didn't try to kill a professor. I don't think that Harry forgave Snape up until Snape's death. Like when he sees the, but that's the thing. When Harry sees the whole story from beginning to end, he kind of empathizes with Snape and he. I don't, I can't understand why. (laughs) I can't understand. Maybe because he didn't really get to know his parents. Yeah. Because I, I just can't see, for me anyway, I don't have that type of emotional um, well, balance or imbalance to forgive something like that. 
So Snape didn't say that the prophecy was about the Potters. He just relayed the information of the prophecy. I mean, if you're in a war and you're on the, you're on the evil side and your job is just to collect information and give it to your boss, like, I don't know, that shit is a little, I mean, the main thing Snape does wrong is joining the Death Eaters in the first place. Like that is a huge mistake. He's evil. He agrees with you. You think so? I think he's just. I think he's just like bitter and childish when he joins the Death Eaters. Might be, but let him do some evil shit. But you gotta remember, like James and them tried to kill him. Like I remember. Yeah, if some like let's say that you know the U.S. goes to war with Canada. And mm-hmm. Canada is totally in the right, which if I'm imagining mm-hmm. right now a war between the U.S. and Canada, especially mm-hmm. right now, right now, that's the most likely scenario. Like, Canada mm-hmm. does nothing wrong. We attack because, you know, maybe, like, their president fucks Melania or something, and then now right. we got to go fight Canada. So U.S. attacks Canada. Mm-hmm. Your job and my job, we have to go spy on Canada. Like, we're doing evil shit because we're on the wrong side of a war. Like... It's just so tricky. Once you have aligned yourself with the wrong side of a war, your your ability to like have the moral high ground is fucked. And most wars don't have like a pure wrong side and a right side, but if you do, and generally the people on the wrong side were just born at the wrong place at the wrong time. It's not like, but I mean, Death Eaters, it's a little different. You have to join. That's more like you see gang, 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 my gang. Thing? That's all well and good, and it's very deep, and I understand the duality of everything you said. <laughs> Only problem is, again, it wouldn't matter to me how much you grew. It wouldn't matter to me how much you learned the care. It wouldn't matter to me the epiphany that you had to turn you to the good side. That the matter of it is. Snape agreed with Voldemort. Not only did Snape agree with Voldemort, the experiences that he had made him go that route and further his belief. Right? He directly led to the killing of Harry's, excuse me, of Harry's parents. And if I'm Harry, I'm never forgiving you for that once I find out that that's what you were a part of. Me, I'm never naming my kids after you. I don't care how much you love my mom. Oh, he yeah. protected me, yeah, but you almost got me killed. Yeah. So no, you almost don't get to do both. I feel like he did 100% wrong, and then by the end of it, attempted to do 100% good, both for very selfish reasons. So negative 100 plus 100 is still zero, and that's how much love I would have for Snake if I was happy. My kids definitely wouldn't be named after him. No way. Hey, let me name you after the guy that got your grandma killed. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you, are you a Kendrick Lamar fan? Big Kendrick Lamar fan. I love Kendrick Lamar. So my absolute favorite Kendrick Lamar lyric ever is in a song called Mad City where he says, if I told you I killed someone at 16, would you believe me? Perceive me to be the innocent Kendrick you see in the streets with a basketball and some now and laters to eat. So basically that lyric to me is about the idea of if you're a 16-year-old and you join a gang and you kill somebody – are you irredeemable for the rest of your life? And the subtext being that kids in Compton join gangs, but kids in Potomac, Maryland, which is a a rich suburb of DC, they don't join gangs. Like Mm -hmm. joining a gang is a byproduct of your environment as a kid more so than it is the type of person you'll be later in life. So 
joining the gang is um no go ahead finish because I, I need to hear what you're going to say so the thing for me the reason i relate that to snape is for me if you make a really really big mistake in your life young enough and to me it seems like a product of the environment and the situation that you are in and you make moves to atone for it i'm willing to forgive that 100 okay. times out of 100 that's just but i want i was curious how you would feel about kendrick lamar if he did kill somebody at 16 years old I feel the same about Kendrick as I do now. I'm a fan, and I wouldn't care. <laughs> so Snape could rap better. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that. Here's the thing. If Kendrick killed anything related to me, I'd want him dead. Ah, got it. That's what I mean. So in this scenario, I pull myself out of it. And I, actually, no, I take that back. I'm doing the opposite. I'm inserting myself in the scenario and I'm going, if I were Harry, nah, nah, dog, I'm good. You can't be the doctor that gave my grandma the wrong medication that ended up killing her because I want your head. I blame you because you're, you're square one. You're square one. Snake is square one. Got it. You went to that bar and decided to go back and talk to Voldemort. And then when you told him what you told him, you didn't expect him to go the route that he went. And it's only because he was going to kill Lily that you went back. It's trash. So what if you were Dumbledore? Would you forgive Snape or not? No. Okay. I think now, now I think Dumbledore did everything right. Well, Dumbledore does forgive Snape. Because Dumbledore is retarded. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I don't and I'm not taking that back. Dumbledore is retarded for that. Because... In my opinion, matter of fact, you know what I always, I always say to you is that I think <laughs> that Dumbledore played it right now. And what I mean by that is that um, I know that probably shouldn't have been new information to me, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know Snake did that. Um, I thought Voldemort just got the prophecy from somewhere. Yeah. I didn't know it came from Snake. So That's the fact that Snake did that and set into motion everything that happened, it makes perfect sense why Lily, not Lily, why I'm serious and looping didn't trust him. That makes perfect sense. I wouldn't know. Fair enough. You know what I'm saying? If I was serious, if I was serious, it actually would have been on site. He would have had to kill me. If I didn't know he gave Voldemort that prophecy when he came up to the uh, wherever in Prison of Azkaban, it would have been on site. I don't think any of them knew. I think Dumbledore and then later Harry are the only... Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think if Sirius and Lupin had known, they probably do. I mean, even Lupin just... Being a fellow teacher, I think he probably mm -hmm. kills Snape. Like, if he knows that Snape is responsible. I'm trying to. Yeah. I'm trying to. I can't know, I can't know you set in motion a chain of events that would hurt, that would get my people killed. And it almost got me murdered. He does save Harry's life in book one with Quirrell. Doesn't and matter. Quirrell, not enough. You are the exact reason Harry's mom is dead. Yeah. You. Because you started talking. You cannot kill my people. You can't be involved with the people that killed my people. Because if you kill my people, I'm trying to get you. Quick. In a I hurry. What's the word that T.I. loves to use that he can't say right all the time? Expeditiously. Expeditiously. <laughs> Expeditiously. I'm coming for your life. Expeditiously. Because 
how can you then claim that you're that lying? Is the, I'm not, the, that's the perfect comparison, too. If Kendrick was Snape and Harry was T.I., T.I. Mm-hmm. would come for Kendrick expeditiously and get, and, get, and get destroyed. And Kendrick and would just be like, oh, I'm still Snape. And he would just sectumsemper T.I. into a million pieces. I, I think you um, highly uh, underestimating how crazy T.I. actually You would put T.I. Wait, as a rapper, though, you would put T.I. above Kendrick? Ooh, that's that's rough for me, man. They both um they both represent two very different things for me. Oh, Ti is one of my Ti is one of my heroes too, man. I, I've taken headshots after Ti. You know what I'm saying? Ti is one of my heroes. Bad, bad dude. Bad, bad dude. Um, Kendrick Lamar is another bad, bad dude. I, I don't know that. It, uh, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard for me, fam. It's hard. Cause Ti has anthems for me, like no matter no matter what. Um, oh my God, twenty fours. Yeah. Kendrick has DNA. He has um, Element. He has King Kung. The all I, I love them both. I don't want to choose. I want to choose Kendrick, but I I of love course, them both of too. Of course, he choose Kendrick, but that ain't about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, fam, like, honestly, I mean, you know, y'all, y'all tell us, the folks that are listening, y'all tell us, could, would you be able to forgive somebody like Snake, knowing that he was the, um, he pulled the pin out of the hanger neck? Would you be able to forgive him, knowing what you lost? Because hmm. if I was Harry, especially knowing how I felt about, knowing how Harry felt about Snake in those early years, then to find out that you had love for my mom, and then to find out you were reasoning she dead, Everybody's mad at Pettigrew. You need to part that point that angle towards Snake. Think about that. Mm, who, really still be... pot- who really put the potters in danger if we're going to really keep it 100? Who really put the potters in danger? The coward that snitched on their location or the person that got them put in the um, harm's way in the first place? Because there's no reason that Wormtail needs to tell their location if Snape doesn't put Voldemort on the tracks of the potters. Uh, that's a great point. I mean, and let's add to that equation, uh, the idiot genius who borrowed the invisibility cloak and trusted Wormtail to be the secret keeper and, uh, and also didn't intervene when he saw Snape in the back of Boar's Head or whatever pub it was. Who are we talking, James? I'm talking Dumbledore. Dumbledore, uh, was cool with, if uh, I'm Dumbledore, if I'm Dumbledore, Mm. I don't know. And this snake is over is listening to me. I don't know that. I know Trelawney is here. I know she's doing her thing. I know that this is one of their best friends. And I know that I told James and Lily to give me the secret. To give me the most powerful wizard ever. The only wizard that what's his name? Fears. Yeah. I told them to give me, me. Me, uh, Dumbledore, me, the most powerful guy out there. I told you to give me the secret. Not only is it safe with me, but it's super safe with me. Cause I don't know yeah. if everybody knew about Dumbledore and Grindelwald. So if you can hold a secret that tight, the secret's <laughs> safe with Dumbledore. Yeah. Not only did they not trust Dumbledore, yeah, they were worried that Dumbledore was going to try to break out his boyfriend and get himself killed. Or something. But even know. if he was, Voldemort still ain't gonna get the secret. <laughs> yeah, now that is true. Like Dumbledore can do anything at any time, 
Why wouldn't you give him the secret? Why wouldn't you give him the secret? And how mad is Grindelwald that he's still in jail? Probably, probably very mad. Probably very mad. He probably got so tight that Dumbledore got um, caught up with Voldemort stuff. <laughs> he was telling other Grindelwald, people at the prison, Grindelwald like, probably, you know who my boyfriend is? I'm going to be out of here in a minute. Uh, Grind- Grindelwald was sending crows to Dumbledore, like, what, what's taking so long? <laughs> oh, oh, so it's somebody else, huh? This little yeah. dark wizard out here. He uh, killing more people than me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Because <laughs> you know, you know Grindelwald was tight when they. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, you know how guys are. You ever have? You ever have one of your ex girlfriends try to tell you that another dude gave a certain type of attention, and you go, "Oh, oh, oh, word!" So that attention better than my attention. <laughs> I just imagine Grindelwald. Getting one like the auras or whatever jail he's at, but hey, uh, real quick, give me um, give me something to write with, and give me a bird. So, album been here for like forty years now. Just wondering, you don't want to come visit the motherfucker? You don't want to send some money for commissary? I held one in a minute. <laughs> what do you think was the maddest Grindwall got? Because I got a, I have a, an idea. When the Order of the Phoenix started, he found out that was a group to go against Voldemort and not to break him out of prison. <laughs> That'd piss me off. Oh, so we, I see we doing everything else around here. I think it was, uh, I think it was when Dumbledore hired Gilderoy Lockhart. He's like, oh, okay. Guy doesn't right. even know how to do magic, but uh, I guess you want a pretty face round, huh, Albus? You stupid. You stupid. <laughs> if I, was, I wonder why he never gave Grindelwald, um, well, I guess Grindelwald's in prison, but if he freed him or if he got him to get free, why not give him the job as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher? Did he just hate, hate like, Muslims that bad or something? I think Grindelwald killed, like, tens of people, and oh. D- Dumbledore was like, I can't break him out. He's, he's got, like, a bunch of murders on his hands. Oh, okay, cool. But he could work with Snape. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> mm, That's a great mm, point. Mm, mm. It, people love to pick and choose when they work with murderers, man. It's just like, um, or how they see murderers. It's just like, I'm trying to work this joke out. And if you listen to the podhood, you get to hear the premise first. But, you know, like money and statues in the United States, right? It's very disrespectful to black Americans because most of the people on money and that they built statues out of are historic racists that they've either hurt, raped, or owned people that look like me, right? And, you know, for me, there's a part of me that feels like you're constantly taunting us because I don't know why there needs to be a face on money in the first place. You know what I'm saying? You can just put the number on it. I know this is number one. I know this is number 100. You can take the faces in the White House off. You know what I'm saying? Take off those symbols of people that hurt us. And then it's like, okay, so the argument that they make is, well, you know, the reason why we can't tear down these statues is because Christopher Columbus was, he was complicated. Yeah, sure, he killed millions of people and led to the death of a lot of the indigenous, but, you know, he discovered the United States. He's complicated because if he didn't discover the United States, he wouldn't have this. Okay, all right. So he's complicated. I like how you think a murder rapist is complicated, but since they're complicated, then I don't even want you to take them down if you feel that way. I'm just saying, let's be fair. Let's be fair. So since he's complicated, rapist and murderer, I want equality. 
I want some black ones that are equally as complicated on statues and money. I'll go. I'll go on the record and I'll say all I'm saying. I will go on the record and I'll say on this podcast Mm -hmm. that Bill Cosby's good qualities are his good accomplishments way surpass Christopher Columbus's. I agree. His bad accomplishments are not as bad as Christopher Columbus's. And they don't. They don't. They don't even come (laughs) close. And guess what? When you build a statue, it don't got to be a statue of Bill Cosby. Statue of Dr. Huxtable. <laughs> Dr. Huxtable. That's what we need is, we just need like a Christopher Columbus, but like the sitcom version. And then we just attribute Discovering of America to like Chris, no, but, I don't know, but Christopher see, why do, why, and then Why do we run away from the facts? The person did both things, right? So if you're saying, if these people are saying, it's just like Snape here, right? Let's use Snape as an example. The Harry Potter community loves Professor Severus Snape. They love Snape. Snape I'm I'm the the poster child of that. Might be the most popular character of the whole series, right? Mm -hmm. Even knowing that, he's the reason Harry's parents got killed. He's the reason. Oh, well, Voldemort would have killed them anyway. Shut up. They weren't dead (laughs) before. After Snape opened his mouth, Voldemort went on a rampage and killed the Potters, right? But Snape is also the teacher that did everything that you saw him do and made the sacrifices that you saw him make. Same person, same lifetime. So the reason that I'm like so about this is that people choose to appreciate changing people when they like people. Because let's take, for example, Chris Brown, right? Who hit Rihanna, right? When he was 18. Till this day, there are people that are like, oh, F Chris Brown this, and he shouldn't work that. Kid was 18. Then when you learn his story, okay. Then when you learn his story, you find out that there's domestic violence in his home. Now we find ways to we find ways to normalize everything else. You find ways to normalize people that murder people in mass shootings. They made Dylan Ruth somebody that you can feel sorry for. Meanwhile, Chris Brown was in a relationship that if you watch his documentary was abusive, seemingly going both ways, right? Mm-hmm. And when an 18-year-old reacted. And I'm not saying that he reacted right. I'm saying he reacted definitely wrong. But there's people that are listening to this podcast right now that still feel that way. Fuck Chris Brown. And I hope you identify yourselves too. Because what I'm saying to you is people do change. Because from that moment to here we are right now, right? I don't know that Chris Brown's ever put his hands on anybody else. And not that you should be applauded for not putting your hands on somebody. I'm not saying that. I'm saying growth. If you For can sure. let somebody like Professor Snape, who is the reason Harry Potter's parents are dead, right? And you can say he's your favorite character, people identify with him, he's still a monster. Because there's a great case to be made that he's the reason Harry's parents are dead. He's the reason Neville's parents are in the hospital. And if somebody said they didn't want to, um, he was irredeemable. I think that makes sense. But when it came to somebody like Chris Brown, who well, was he a had child, nothing. To, he had nothing to do with Neville's parents. That wasn't. On he him. had nothing to do with that. Okay, then I take I take that back. I yeah, don't yeah. want to um, put stuff in Snape's <laughs> docket that don't belong there. 
right? No, that was just Bellatrix knew that they were the parents were in the Order of the Phoenix. So oh, it was okay. like a gang shit. Revenge See, now shit. Bellatrix is irredeemable and she don't apologize for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Snape and hold on, wait, let me let me be succinct <laughs> for my AD ADD having ass start jumping around. <clears throat> when you look at people like Chris Brown, we don't give him that same credit. Somebody yeah. in real life. People that listen to us right now, people that inbox me about this show, I bet, probably hate Chris Brown. Why? Because he hit Rihanna, right? Oh, well, he ain't hit nobody since then. Oh, I don't care. He's raising a daughter. Oh, well, I don't care. What about the growth? Nope, I don't care. You can never get past that moment. Meanwhile, for this fictional character, motherfuckers are sitting here and tell me, oh, we need, I'm not talking about you, Will. Oh, we need to, but, but Professor Snape helped Harry, even though he the reason Harry Paris was killed in the first place. You don't get to help me put up a headstone for my grandfather if you're the heart attack that killed him, dog. I'm sorry. Yeah. So if it's going to be right in one area, it needs to be right in every other area. Because I think even when we go into people's criminal records and stuff like that, I'm the type of person, I think if somebody goes to prison when they come out, no matter what it is, after they serve their debt to society, right? That should be it. Mm-hmm. You can't get a job in a certain place. Why? Why? If we make it to where these are the consequences for these sort of actions and somebody pays their debt to society, then why should there still be debts to be paid? Now, then that goes into a whole thing about race and stuff like that that we won't get into on this episode of the Potterhood Podcast, but we might tackle on Patreon sometime. But man, it, it's complicated, bro. Because no, then there's certain, there's certain scenarios where I feel like you don't get to be redeemed. You know what I'm saying? There's certain crimes you commit where you don't get to be redeemed. But then also by that same token, people can have profound changes. Because guess what? Bill Cosby, same guy that we was talking about, he did both things. Okay, he's the biggest rapist in entertainment. Sure. You know what else he is? He's the linchpin for millions of people furthering their education. Mm-hmm. And I chose my words just now very deliberately. I didn't say millions of black people. You know what I'm saying? I said millions. You know how many white kids that told me that they went to school because they would watch the Cosby show when they were younger and their moms and dads would see how the Cosby kids were being raised. Go, eh, you know, you could do that. You go to these, blah, blah, blah. The, 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 black, the black people that watched that show and got positive inspiration for it to go for their dreams and to go to college and all that. The number's astronomical. So does he count as complicated? I bet you they won't say so. Yeah. Bet you they won't say so. Won't give him half the um, um, deference that we give folks like uh, the Christopher Columbuses, all the other people, the, four, the forefathers. All this fighting. <laughs> but, but, but our forefathers. Fuck your forefathers. That's how I feel. <laughs> Fuck all five of your forefathers. That's how I feel. <laughs> but there's people that will say, but they're complicated. But that never extends to everybody. People only choose to use that logic for folks that they like. We're guilty of it. We're guilty of it right here on this podcast. If Dumbledore would have did the same thing Snape did, we would not forgive Dumbledore. Interesting. We wouldn't. 
we wouldn't because we already feel a way about Dumbledore and we already feel a way about Snape. And because we feel a way about Snape that's positive, finding out that he's the person that pulled that fucking pin out of that frag that got everybody killed and then he got to die as a hero, that's one of my biggest problems with society in general. Yeah. Stop playing with me. A villain is a villain. I don't give a fuck what they did after their villainy put them in a situation. Well, okay, so how do you feel about the Chris Brown thing? Because I'm on the other side. I'm, like, more of a forgiving person. Like, mm-hmm. I forgive Snape. I forgave Chris Brown. Um, mm-hmm. I think, like, there were elements of his relationship with Carucci that were, like, a little toxic. But he's been going mm-hmm. in the right direction. He's been trending in the Again. right direction. He's been doing better and better. Yeah. And he so and then with Cosby, I don't think that's my right to even and be like, on the side of forget. And also, like... Chris Brown said what he did was wrong. Snape said what he did was wrong. Cosby and Christopher Columbus have yet to renounce what they did. That makes it hard to forgive. 100%. With with the point of the, you know, with the joke premise, it's more of a, I just want it to be fair. You know what I'm saying? Because I see your your money, I see your statues, and I see them as a smack in the face to everybody that has some type of experience with darker complexion in this country as far as treatment is concerned. All the right. money shit is, li- I mean, the statues obviously too, but yeah, it is all a, f- a slap in the fucking face. L- look, sure. look at it like this. The first black person that they want to put on money is Harriet Tubman. How dare you want to put Harriet Tubman, a lone black woman, into a cash register with a bunch of slave owners <laughs> and rapists? Yeah. Think but about, think about up, that. You think might, about you might that. pull it out. It's only 20s. The rest are cut into tiny pieces. I would hope so, but she didn't even have her sword in the picture that they have. Yeah, on, they need uh, to give her a weapon. That's the you know that's saying? the problem. No, yeah. but see, but see, this is my point. Just think think about the optics, fam. And these are the things that yeah. I think about on my um. And I'm so I'm sober right now, which is why this um <laughs> point is coming out the way it is. But think about what that does to somebody that thinks about it just for even more than a second. All the people you want to put on money. Why would Harriet Tubman? Why would her, how could her spirit rest in peace knowing that her brother, fam, her brother was sold, fam? Harriet was sold. Why would Harriet want anything to do with money? Mm. Anything. Why would Harriet Tubman want anything to do with money? Why, what would make you think Harriet would want, her spirit would want her anywhere around presidents like Andrew Jackson? Hmm. What would make you think she would approve of being in the same place as George Washington. So maybe, so we got to find somebody who was more money oriented. Is that no? That be? No. Okay. No, you you missing my point. No, bro. fair enough. I was just imagining Jack Johnson on the twenty, and I thought that'd be pretty badass. No, I, I oh I don't mind that. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind like a, a a strong black figure being on the money. I'm saying if these people are this way, the first option you want to put into the cash register is Harriet Tubman. Again, a lone black woman, alone in the register with a bunch of historic rapists, murderers, and slave owners. Think about that. Really take a second and, and think about what I'm telling you, the optics of it. You want to have Harriet Tubman, one of one of our, as far as history is concerned, she conquered history in a time when people like her 
weren't even supposed to be able to live a free kind of life. Mm-hmm. You understand? Why would she ever want anything to do with the thing that it's the system? Why would Harriet want to be a part of the system? Yeah. Okay. Why would Got Harriet it. want to be a part of the system that did what, what they did to our people? Why would she want that? Yeah. You gonna she parade was Harriet coming around on a $20 bill and the only other person on the $20 bill is a genocidal rapist? Nah, yeah. I'm good, dog. Protect, all, protect black women and protect black money. Harriet Tubman, don't go on the bill until you put other people in there that can protect her too. Fuck that. <laughs> I want yeah. a Frederick Douglass nightlight inside every cash register across this country before we get to Harriet Tubman 20. And I want Harriet Tubman to have her we sword. Should. And, and I want her on another bill. Fuck the 20. I want Harriet no, we Tubman should. on the, the $150 bill. That's what I want. <laughs> No, we should put uh, Harriet Tubman, Nat Turner, and John Brown on Bitcoin, and then mm-hmm. Bitcoin wipes out all the money, and that'll Hilarious. be <laughs> that's what Hilarious. we got. <laughs> Which is kind of like the punchline for the joke part. Man, I'm telling y'all, when I can get back to Tommy, we gonna have some shit, man. I'm telling y'all. I'm telling y'all. And I, I hope you guys have um, listened to. The, I know that was a long tangent to go on. I almost yeah. apologize, but no, it's great. Um, to the Chris Brown thing in particular, for me, man, I feel uh, two ways. I feel like it's easy for me to go, oh, I can forgive it, right? Because I'm a lady. You know what I'm saying? Imagine being a woman who was a fan of Chris Brown. Well, a little girl that was a fan of Chris Brown at the time, right? I don't know what they're seeing at home. You know what I mean? If you're in a situation where you were a victim of domestic violence, it would make sense if you go, nah, fuck that. It's over from this point onward, right? And the growth and whatnot might not mean anything to you because you might have seen somebody quote unquote grow, right? Look, they not hitting nobody, blah, blah, blah. That might have been your relationship. And it seemed like that person grew, but they didn't. The abuse might have changed into something else, right? I don't hang with Chris Brown. I don't know what it looks like. But what I do know is that I'm an American. I grew up where I grew up. I've met people that are uh, emotionally complicated to have those dualities, right? And sometimes people change and sometimes people don't. From the information that I have readily available to me, Chris Brown has changed drastically. You understand? And that seems to be from everybody that speaks on him, everybody that's been around him, plus what we can actually see. And it seems like when people talk to him sometimes, they keep bringing up, oh, here's this terrible thing that you did. Well, I forget how many years it's been now, like 12, that you apologized for and you grew for. Nobody is the same person that they were when they were 18. Some people get better, some people got worse, and we as a society need to figure out when it's time to let people off for certain things. So personally, I feel like one thing also worth considering is that when you, as a society, when as a society we're unwilling to forgive young people for their mistakes, it also can like demonize them and make them less willing to get help and so that it can like double down on the bad and yes affect us more so and so in light of all that two questions first of all who does chris brown most remind you of in the harry potter series and then secondly 
would you forgive Draco Malfoy? And that's what we can end with. Okay, oh. so I'll, I'll start with who Chris Brown reminds. So initially I was like, Roger Davies, it's like he, does, he knows what he wants out of life. He wants to enjoy life, and he pursues that without really thinking of any of the ramifications, just goes for that. But I do also see a Draco comparison, um, even though Chris Brown's privilege is, like, earned. I mean, he was born with – not he wasn't born with that ability to dance, but, like, he was born with more of a capacity to get good at dancing than basically everyone ever besides, like, Michael Jackson. So it's not like – so he earned his, his Malfoy manner rather than being born into it, but also he was born with some of it. Um, so, but outside of Draco and, and Roger Davies, I mean, I don't know. There's a little bit of Victor Crumb, but yeah, no, not at all. Okay. Tell me, tell me what do you think, Nico? Cause, uh, okay. Cause I don't so, love any of those. I'm like, so oh, here's yeah. my here's my here's my opinion on it. Um, the Harry Potter character that Chris Brown most reminds me of is Seamus Finnegan, right? Okay. And the, the reason that I pick Seamus is because Seamus is one of those characters that I think is um good. I think it's misunderstood, and I think much like Chris, things blow up in their faces, right? <laughs> and because we weren't when we first see that character and i'm talking more the movies now right when i first saw seamus in the movies before he blew himself up i was like oh okay this kid is probably gonna be important and sure enough he was an important enough character i.e chris brown was never more famous than rihanna you know what i'm saying he was super famous he was a double mint kid back then but he ain't more famous than rihanna rihanna is well beyonce is rihanna right there i don't want to and i don't want to piss off the beehive or whatever you call <laughs> Oriana's folks, the Riri's. I don't know what you call. I don't know what you call them, and I hope I'm not being offensive. I say Riri, but um, I don't. I never saw him <laughs> bigger than her. Right then, when what happened happened, when the pictures come out and you find that, found out that he hit her in the car, that's like when Seamus has um everything blow up in his face. And not, when I say blow up in his face, I don't mean like in the first book. I mean like you remember that time when him and Harry weren't getting along because mm -hmm. he didn't believe Harry and all that stuff. And he had to go through some shit and like his friends had to change. Chris Brown had to go to jail. He had to take that. Um, I don't think he went to jail for the Rihanna thing, but at 18, he had to get, and I'm not, I don't feel sorry for, for him at all because you got what happens to you when you put your hands on somebody, much less one of the most famous people on the planet when you should have kept your hands to yourself. Right. But I don't think people understand. Remember when we were talking about um, Seamus a couple episodes ago? And I went um, something along the lines of, it makes sense that he didn't believe Harry, right? So when I say it makes sense here, please listen to the words that I'm saying before you assume what I'm saying. When you consider the situation that they're in and you're considering the emotional stability of these people, right? And this isn't a defense at all because he shouldn't have put his hands on that lady. At the end of the day, we're talking about a kid, all right? Mm. It did something horrible. And the question is, do you think he learned from that mistake? That's not up for me to tell you what your answer is. I don't know what you might think on it. And depending on where you are in regards to those types of situations, you feel a way and you're right to feel that way. This is just my opinion on it. I think 
that because of that situation, he was put in a box. And then I think being put in that box, I think that should warp his brain for a while, right? Because you go from being a kid, y'all go from being that young couple that got into a spat and then y'all got into a fight and you put your hands on somebody, right? Now you multiply that by Chris Brown and Rihanna and the world of public opinion. And you're in a, you're in a situation where public opinion means more than anything else, right? There's no sympathy for folks like that, almost on either side. You know what I'm saying? There's folks that were down with Rihanna that were saying shit like, oh, well, what did she do to him? And it's like, does it matter? Look at her face. What the fuck do you mean? Then there's folks that, um, as far as Chris is concerned, that couldn't understand how an 18-year-old who came from a house that had domestic violence in it they couldn't understand, oh, well, how could he react like that? And then when you see the documentary later and you find out, oh, nah, that's how they was getting down. They were in a fighting relationship, seemingly. All right? Now, I've seen those types of relationships. Knock on wood, I ain't never been in one. But I've seen people be in those types of relationships. I've seen fighting relationships. I was coming home one day, and I've seen a couple in my hallway. Dude and girl just finished fighting I came out the staircase to take up for her, right? Very next day, you know who I see holding hands? Those two. Mm-hmm. And it shocked me. I couldn't believe that I stuck my neck out to protect somebody from somebody that was trying to hurt them. And then the very next day, y'all walking holding hands. Her hand was broke. Her thumb was broke. She holding hands with this dude. Meanwhile, I could have, the only way bigger than me, I could have got killed. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm saying a lot, and I hope y'all getting what I'm saying. I truly, truly do. Because my point is only, from that moment, we saw what happened. We saw Chris Brown, like, get smacked up and down, and rightfully so in some cases, right? Then when he has his daughter, and then when you find out his daughter's being raised in fine feather, then when you find out that, you know, he did his anger management and all that stuff, we don't give credit for that. And I'm not saying that you should, but I am saying that people do do things like this. You understand? Those types of fight relationships and all that, they do exist. Do the people grow or do they not? Did Chris Brown grow or did he not? You know what I'm saying? Did you go from being wrong and did you ever get right? And if you got right and you're doing right, then you should be acknowledged for that because if you're not acknowledged whether it'll teach other people that might be going through shit like that is that that never leaves you that stigma never leaves you i know too many people that are in jail right now for selling weed right for selling weed felony amounts of weed my nigga they are decriminalizing weed every which way when my people come out of prison, when they get out of prison, they have felony charges for weed and shit, guess what? They can't get a job. And guess what's probably going to happen in New York City after this pandemic because we don't have any money. They're probably going to have, like me and Max were talking about before we recorded, they're probably going to have to start making weed legal for sale here in order for us to make any fucking money. And you know who ain't going to be able to partake in that shit? My homies who sold weed better than anybody even though they paid their debt to society. Yeah. Now, it's a, it's a real problem with, like, this philosophy of justice at all costs and, like, 
it, people. Yeah, I, I'm not even gonna say it's a problem, bro. It's complicated. Yeah, but I think it's our society would be such a better place for everybody to live if we mm-hmm. normalize forgiveness. Like I really think if like, we normal, uh, if we normalize, normalize forgiveness. And again, I'm not saying because you know Chris Brown is a hard like um, stance to take on. But like Snape doesn't forgive himself. Malfoy mm-hmm. doesn't forgive himself, regardless of whether Dumbledore forgave. Oh, I got to like, that too. Yeah, they don't forgive themselves. And look at how miserable Malfoy is. Years later, he's about, like still sullen. Think about why, and I hate to cut you off, man, but I yeah. get a lot real passion about something. Go for it. Think about why they're miserable. The reason that they're miserable is because of how they feel they're viewed by other people. You know what I'm saying? I would push back with Snape. I think that it's just regret. I think he yeah, really but that, regrets but that, that too. But you want you want to have that when you do something terrible. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You're gonna have that. Everybody listening to this podcast is not who they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean. And yesterday is a, is metaphoric in this sense, y'all. The person you were when you were seven is not the person you are at 27, 37, 47, 57, 67. If you can remember who you are at 77. <laughs> from every from decade to decade, you're not the same person. You change. And you ask that people accept that, right? We all do that. We ask that people accept our changes, right? Meanwhile, when people trespass in ways that we feel are irredeemable, we make it that they can't ever get it back. And I'm somebody that holds grudges. There's people that um are in my own personal life that I've cut off. And they change. They've made that change. They've made the changes to be made to be in my life. And I'm still like, nah, fuck that. So I'm just as much of a part of the problem as I can think about the solution. I'm a hypocrite when it comes to stuff like this, man. So I think, though, the, the other thing is that when they change, they should take that as an opportunity to forgive themselves. But you yes. aren't obligated to forgive them until they make amends. So not right, only do they have to what? change... I agree with you 100%, fam. Here's the problem with the society that we live in. The society that we live in would much rather remind you of your mistakes. The society that we live in not only would rather remind you of your mistakes, they'll rather keep you in that place because a lot of people don't get to get the one thing that you're getting, this notoriety. A lot of people don't get to be Harry Potter, dog. A lot of people don't get to be Draco. Draco was definitely getting a lot of credit before he did anything because he was a Malfoy. He was rich. And then because of that, Draco didn't have any identity. Every every identity he had, he was trying to be something that could impress his father, only to find out his father isn't worth impressing. Mm -hmm. You're right. Draco, I mean... So can I forgive Draco? Draco is the most redeemable character in Harry Potter for the simple fact Draco is America. Draco is, he's literally, he's a metaphor for an American. He was born into something that he truly knows nothing about and he was lied to about what it really is. Oh, white American. Are we going to, I think that's fair, right? Hmm? To say Draco is a metaphor specifically for white America. No, Amer- Americans, Americans okay. in general. We're, look, man, white, 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 there's only really like 2,000 white Americans, okay? And when I say that, I mean those are what I call white people. Everybody else is white folk, right? And the 2,000 that I'm talking about, they're in charge of the system. They're the top 1%. All the things that you think the Illuminati are, that's them. And they, they put use, their grandparents on money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those folks. Then 
they mobilize, they mobilize everybody else, right? <laughs> they magically make people truth. drop their, their pod or the microphones. <laughs> Telling too much truth out here, dog. But just think about it, fam. Poor people in general have a lot more in common. And I know that most people would consider themselves poor, but in America, most of us are. And most people don't consider themselves poor. The best thing you can do to somebody that doesn't have is tell them that they're better than somebody else. When you ask yourself the question, how is it that black people going through what they went through in the United States never once revolted, never once tried to get the people that hurt them? That's because A, that's not in our nature, but B, in my own personal conspiracy, I think the reason that we never did that is because we understand that the white folk that stood in opposition of us were being used and they were being manipulated. All right. A lot of times when I say white people, when I'm talking and white folks be like, oh, but I and it's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to the bigger you. All right. You don't count as white people. You count as white folk, meaning white people will put you in the way. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they're trying to take your guns. Those people now stand in the way of the protest. And it's like, we're not even looking for you. We're not even yeah. mad at you. Go play with your guns, nigga, somewhere <laughs> away from our protest. We don't care, okay? We're not after you. We after the people that are making the laws and not even the way that, yo, we want to hurt them, but you want to make this right. But they mobilized the people that were standing in front. It's a giant game of chess. Yeah. I mean, look, there's one thing that the people in power have made it clear that they agree on in this pandemic, and that is to give us as little money as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not even on the charts with the first world countries in terms of money's money allocated out. We've gotten 1200 Dude, anybody that thinks that $1,200 for six months is adequate for a citizen, like, okay, vote for your person, but... Bro, you know, anybody who thinks in a country where we literally print money. Yeah. We print money, fam. We print it. And then they'll tell, oh, it's a deficit. Just say it's not. <laughs> Just say it's not. What, what do we, what do we, oh my God, this is how stupid we are. And I'm talking all of us, myself included. I'm right here with y'all. <laughs> we are idiots. We let these people tell us shit that makes absolutely no sense. If your daughter gives you a card, it's worth everything, right? It's worth more than that headboard behind you and all that shit. Because your daughter gave it to you. It's the value that you put behind it. We do that with money. Green paper. And they tell you, hey, it has this number on it, so that's what it's worth. Yeah. Then they'll tell you that this thing that we can print frivolously Frivolously. Oh, we'll kill trees. Frivolously. <laughs> we print money frivolously and then say shit like oh, inflation. Just don't inflate it. Just don't inflate it. What, what, are, we, what, are, we, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? We let these motherfuckers look us right in our face and say, seriously, yeah, uh, um, we all broke. Everybody's in debt. Cancel all debt. Debt is fucking imaginary. Cancel it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, but that would be unfair to the people who don't have debt, like Jeff Bezos, 
what will he do? If you cancel his debt, it'll be like he only has $80 billion. If you cancel all of our debt. My God. No, I mean, look, the, the system protects... We know who it protects because those but, are the people this, that are But bro, private again, islands. the system protects about 2,000 people. Yeah, I know. The rest of the 380 million, us, has to work. So this is what I mean when I say Draco is an American. He was born into something, and he was told a great lie. The great lie of the United States is that we're the United States. You know what I'm saying? The rest of the name is correct. We are the states of America. That united part is bullshit. We've never been united. This great country shit, it's a great place to live in because you were born here and don't know shit else. But let's keep it really real. Let's keep it really real. When was this country ever great? Were you great when you completely destroyed a group of nonviolent people to have this fucking place? The only thing that's really especially great about America is the blending of cultures in ways that make unique art, food, culture, and people. So again, when I talk about that great lie that we're told, land of the free, home of the brave, then you find out the people that built, when you find out the people that were um, overseeing when this country was built, were fucking cowards. Home of what brave? You ain't brave when you fucking poisoning people with blankets. That is not brave when they were being nice to you. That's not brave. And that's not even a black or white thing. I just mean in general, how is that brave? These are the forefathers that you want to tell your kids about? Y'all yeah, wild no, that, that That definitely wasn't in the highlight reel of the brave. I that's think they would use other clips. What, 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 where's the bravery? Where's the bravery? Was it brave for you to travel to a place and bring people here against their will in ships like their cargo, treat them like they're less than human beings, completely, oh my God, completely ravish the people that were already here who wanted to coexist with you? No, no, it's not brave. But just in the, for the sake of <laughs> duality, there was shit like Iwo Jima. Like there's a few moments where- Say that one more time. There's shit like Iwo Jima. Like, there's a few moments where Americans did some brave shit, but like, oh, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, no, I know. I know with you know. I know with like your family and shit. Obviously, no, 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 no. no. I, know, I know you get me. My, this is more for the people that might get shit confused. You know what yeah. I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is, the people here have always tried at every point to do better. Look at what. Look at what's happening right now. Everybody is fighting to get to the lie that we were told about this place. Everybody's been fighting to make the lie true. The people yeah. that are in opposition of the people that are trying to make America actually be the land of the free, the home of the brave, and all that other shit we lie on brochures about. Those people are being told, no, they're being met with opposition. And if you're listening to this podcast, it don't even got shit to do with race anymore. What's happening no, I, in Portland, they're suplexing everybody. Yeah, I mean, everybody. I would go even further on the land free home of the brave to say that America has made it clear that we don't value the people who care about freedom and the people who are especially brave. If you look at how yes. we treat veterans, first yes. responders, yes. essential workers, 
over and over, the bravest people in our society and the people that do the most to protect our freedoms are disregarded when they're not beneficial to rich people. So Damn, look at look at um look at how we two thousand thousands. Look at look look at look at how we treat um look at how police get treated by the system that they're a part of, right? Mm-hmm. They're made, they're ex they're they make them seem expendable. They make them seem as if they don't they're not getting paid well. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same reason that a lot of my friends that I know that went to become police officers is the same reason a lot of my friends joined gangs. It's the same shit. It's the same thing. Same reason that they joined the military, too. It's all the same shit. But then they'll tell you that they don't understand street gangs, but you can, <laughs> but they worship the military. Then when the military comes home after going out and sacrificing, in some cases, their humanity, in some cases, their principles, and just in some cases, their time and their, um, you know, their youth. Yeah. They give everything to this place and they're on the street yeah. watching people who they fought for walk past them. Mm-hmm. There should never be a case if you serve this country where you shouldn't have a place to stay. Here we are in New York City and these motherfuckers are thinking about everything else. I can walk past abandoned building after abandoned building, abandoned lot. Why is it? Why is it not mandatory if a building has been uh, not used, retail space, whatever the fuck, it ain't being used? Okay, guess what? You don't want to use it. Knock it down. Build housing. Yeah. Build housing. Yeah. And build I, facilities for the mentally ill. Build facilities for the um for the what's it called? Build washing stations for the fucking homeless. Yeah. All this food that I see people that, that I see Chipotle, Predamon J, all that shit. I walked past, I almost threw up. The other day, I was in um Times Square. I did a show and I was walking up, taking the scenic group, right? So I got on my mask and I'm walking past, man. There was a colony of homeless people just outside one of the blocks, like 50 something and fifth. Dog. One of the restaurants throughout. Salad. I'm six three. That bag of salad had to be about six two. <laughs> and I'm looking at these people going, "Shit, that's clean. That's clean food. That's clean salad." On the street, we build all this other shit. They got Sephora's that are bigger than apartment buildings. <laughs> Ladies, I don't give a fuck. Your makeup is not that important. They have game stops that are as big as apartment buildings. Niggas, I don't give a fuck. Your video game is not as important as apartment buildings. (laughs) So, knowing that, why not build washing stations for the homeless? Tell each and every place, hey, yesterday's food that you didn't cook, you bring it here. You bring the vegetables here, you bring it here. If you're homeless, you get to either come in, wash up, eat, and leave. All right? Get some clean, free clothes and all that shit. It makes no sense that people should have to live like that. There was all these buildings that are just empty. You said people need work? Cool. Let them build some shit. There was an article that said that fixing homelessness in America would cost $40 billion. And we lost $1 trillion in Iraq. So just we lost unaccounted for a trillion dollars in the Iraq war. We could have fixed homelessness for 40 It billion. costs $40 billion. We just 
printed two trillion dollars. Oh, that that's my point, uh, dude. I, I actually have a joke in my notebook that I haven't gotten to do. Just about like every day, Jeff Bezos sees a homeless guy and he's like, "I could fix it, but now not just oh. it, all of it." Yeah, and here's every- the other thing that nobody ever talks about, fam, is that they want to raise taxes on people that, and this is what this scares me. I don't, I don't, I don't ridicule people for being Democratic or Republican. I ridicule people for voting for types of people. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I don't understand how you could vote for the Trump type. You know what I mean? Democrat or Republican? What Democrat are or Republican? Hogwarts These teachers shits are not religion. This started as what are Hogwarts teachers doing during their gap year? And now we're like, I mean, dude, welcome, I welcome to the potterhood, baby. If you if you hear this long and this surprises you, I don't know what to tell you. And I well, ain't apologizing for nothing no more. We got to two was- teachers. Next <laughs> next episode, we'll do some of the other ones, and we'll probably end up here again because you know you're in New York, I'm in Newark. Like we are at the heart of seeing what's happening to New hey, York. Hey, fam, this is the Order of the Phoenix, dog, and this is the Half Blood Prince. After Dumbledore dies. This is both of those things. Well, I really think that, I think that like our generation, like young people, we're going to conquer this shit in the same way, Battle of Hogwarts, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, fam. But um, just something I was thinking about, we can close on this because I think we've been going for how long, Max? Like an hour 36? That's a very specific guess. Something like that. It's probably been, um, yeah, about an hour or something, hour and a half. Hour something. something. Yeah, because we started, remember, he set this up before 30. It's 6.06. Oh. Um, we started what, I, what I want to say to y'all, man, is something that I was, um, that came, I had a bit of a, like a small epiphany. And remember how on like previous episodes, I get worried whenever, like, oh, well, let's get that out. And then I realized, like, y'all, I'm worried about three people. <laughs> We all worried about three people. We on the podcast literally trying to spread love and some form of insight per our very limited experiences, right? And it's all coming from a positive place. Meanwhile, we sitting here and have thousands of people that'll listen and they'll either say positive things or just listen for their enjoyment and move on, right? And we sitting here worried about the two people that might not like something. That's crazy. So from this point, from this moment on, I, Nico White, promise every listener of the Potterhood podcast that I will not, shall not, and can no longer think about the folks that wouldn't like the way we talk, how we talk, and when we talk about it. Can't worry about those folks no more. Fuck them. I'll be honest. I, I learned to enjoy it. I feel bad admitting it because now they're going to just spout off at me maybe i don't know but i think it's so funny like i always just i don't know i always just thought it was funny like i've gotten a couple of those things i don't know i think it's hilarious i kind of love it (laughs) and to answer the question succinctly i can forgive draco malfoy because again i think he represents the average american he grew up in something that he found out is actually really dark he found out what it looks like when it's at it's extreme he's been on both sides and it took him being on both sides to realize where he actually belongs and come to find out he was never really a bad person. He really was a person that was misled to only ever wanted a friend. You know what I mean? It's kind yep. of tragic because, but because of his allegiances, he never really was able to get that friend. So I hope that, I hope that people that um, 
are listening to us, I hope you realize what it took Malfoy forever to realize, and that's that the views of others should not be a religion that you live by. They should just be views. You understand? You feel a certain way, you can feel that way, but once you make it a religion that you live by, and then that's whether we're talking politics, the folks that are definitely going to vote Republican only because you're a Republican, shut the fuck up. No, you're not. You're human. You're human. All right? I'm not a fucking Democrat. I'm human. And I'm going to vote for whichever party seems to be the most human. And then when we get to do this again, let's make sure we don't have anything, anything. There shouldn't be one person sitting in Senate or Congress and sitting there now that should be sitting there when we get back. And I don't give a fuck if they're good. They shouldn't still be there. <laughs> Everybody who's in office now needs to not be in office whenever we need to vote again. That shit should look completely different. But I digress. Um, yes, I forgive Draco Malfoy. And there's a lot more teachers that we can cover in the <laughs> next episode. Are we certain anybody to end or are we just going to leave it right no, here? I'm fine uh, with I'll say about Draco, I also forgive him. And I think uh, if you're out there, like Draco's big problem to me is brutal family, brutal friend group. And you can't change your family. You can navigate those situations better. I don't think Draco should have disowned his family. Like, so, you know, you get a rough mom, rough dad. Like, it's just, you can navigate that. But I think Draco's big problem, and yet he was a kid, he should have left that group of friends. Krabby and Goyle are both toxic, basically unredeemable sociopaths. Draco would have, as one of the, the only, one of the only things I really liked about uh, Cursed Child is it shows how well Draco fits in to Harry's friend group. And if mm -hmm. Draco had realized that sooner, he could have had a way happier life. And if you're out there and you're unhappy, changing your friend group is one of the best and easiest changes you can make to your life that will improve it. Changing your friend group is a change that you can make. But here's something else, man, because it's not just Draco that's the problem when it comes to Harry and the friendship and all that. Because I think he really just wanted to be friends with Harry. I've been saying that forever. Yeah. Harry and Ron also acted in a way where they never opened that door for Draco. Yeah, they never the elitist. They never opened that door. You feel me? And I get He should have went uh, through Hermione, though. Hermione was the pathway to get into that friend group. You, you, bro, you were right. But again, there wasn't any opening for that. Everybody was too caught up. It's literally what we're seeing now. Think about how many people can't even talk to each other because their religion, hashtag, their political views won't let them. I mean, Ron was smart, though, because if Draco's in that friend group, that's who Hermione ends up with. Hilarious. Yeah, kind, kind of, sort of. And I think that would have actually been great. But, again, it has to be there on both sides. You yep, understand? Agreed. Otherwise, you get what we got. You all go to Hogwarts. Why are you six separate houses? Well, this has been episode 16 of The Quarantine. I'm Will Posnan. You can follow me on Instagram at Will Posnan. And you can find me on Instagram at NicoWhite93. That's at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3. I have a newborn podcast. It's called um, One Piece of Mind. I hope you check it out. If you're an anime nerd, I'm a big One Piece fan. And it's just me talking One Piece shit. So if you're into that, Join me on that. Um, I have a thing that I'm going to be doing soon. I'll tell you more about it after it's done. But um, if you listen to the Potterhood, wish me luck. I just want to shout out um, Sam real quick. Will, I don't know if I forwarded you this message, but Sam listens to the podcast. She's a great lady. 
And she got us masks that when you breathe, it shows you the Marauder's map. So that's dope. She, she's just waiting to have those come in and she's gonna bring them to me and I'll make sure she um I'll send you yours. Um Max, I'll send you one as well. And uh but, but, but Maxie, where can they find you? They can find me at uh Max Marcus Comedy on all social media. And actually, I'm starting a new podcast. Uh, my first. Oh, I should talk about it. What's it called, Max? It's going to be called the Max Cast. Uh, Say it one more time louder so they can hear you. Say it for the people the in the Max back. Max Max Cast. Y'all heard that shit? And my first guest is going to be Nico. And oh, his first guest is going to be a co-host of the Pot of the Podcast. Y'all heard that shit? Yeah, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be talking about whatever whatever we're interested in. It's not going to be. Anything too specific? I'm figuring it out as I go. There you go. Make sure y'all listen to the Matt's cast, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you follow Will at Will Posner on Instagram. Make sure you follow me at Nico White ninety three on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Potterhood Podcast. This has been episode sixteen of the quarantine. And Will, take us out on three. On the count of three. One, two, three. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed.